0: Amen. Remain standing, if you would, please, as we open our Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 1. And if you are a visitor this morning, I want you to know that you have been prayed for and that our people have prayed diligently about this service. Know that the person who invited you did so out of a genuine heart of love. And uh, we, we believe a few things, and we're not ashamed of those beliefs. And they wanted to show you love and desire to help you in the best way that they know how. And Here at Liberty Bible Church, we prize the Word of God above everything. God's Word shows unto us the way of salvation and shows unto us the way we ought to live. And I don't know about you, but there have been many times where I was unsure what to do or where to go or how I ought to behave, and the Lord of lords and the King of kings revealed it unto me in the truth of his Word. And so the good news of Jesus Christ, above all, all other ideas that the world has to offer is found right here. So by God's grace, I'm going to do the best that I can to cover five chapters of Scripture this morning. And all the members are worried, and the visitors have no idea, (laughs) but I promise you I won't keep you too long. Look with me, if you would, at two verses of Scripture, verse 16 and 17 of Romans chapter number 1. The word of the Lord there says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. shall live by faith. Father, we ask Lord that you would open our minds and open our hearts this morning. Speak to us through your Word. It's In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I guess the best question that I can put out there to you uh, today, kind of start everything, get it, get the ball rolling, so to speak. Uh, questions tend to get the ball progressing. And sometimes uh, uh, we listen to a message and we wonder, what's the point of it? And so, I like to start things anymore with a question to see if, by God's grace, we can uh, unveil some of these things. The question that I would like to kind of pose to you is simply this, what is the best news you have ever heard? I want you to think about that for a minute because many times our mind goes to uh, a lot of different news that we've heard. Perhaps we heard the news of a loved one who was struggling with sickness, and they no longer struggle with this sickness. God reached down. He did a mighty work. They are cured. Uh, the doctors uh, were uh, successful in what they did, and, and this was great news. This was something that was heavy to our hearts. This was something that was burdensome to us, and we hear this news, and we got excited, and we just think to ourselves, no news has ever been this good. Or perhaps it was the news, some of you uh, are grandparents now, and perhaps uh, the news of a grandbaby is just the best news that you've ever gotten. My parents remind me time and time again, parenting was fun, but grandparenting is better. I I am sure that I had something to do with the parenting part being difficult. My wife brought three grandchildren to them and So she gets all the credit for the good days, right? Maybe the best news that you ever heard when you got down on one knee and proposed and the person said, yes, yes. Think for just a moment of the best news you have ever heard. Can I tell you I'm about to top it? I want to share with you today the best news that you have ever heard. In your life. Now, the problem, though, is before anyone can understand good news, they need to see the reality of the situation. And so, we refer to this as the gospel. Many times, perhaps, you have heard the term gospel. You've heard people talk about the gospel. We just read it a moment ago in verse 16, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ.'" Is the Greek word "Gangelion"? It simply means good news, and it's the type of news that is is almost as if you have been going through a lot of bad struggles, and 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 the uh, the uh, the days were just difficult, and, and everything was horrible. You could you you thought that the world was going to come to an end, and then all of a sudden you got a phone call, and this news that you, that you just heard over the phone just completely erased all the concerns. That's what this word gospel means, good news. And so I'm going to refer today as the, uh, to this gospel as the good news over and over again. But again, you need to understand the bad news for it to be good news. If things are going okay, someone calls you and gives you some good news, it's, oh, nice. But when your world is crashing down around you, and then someone delivers news that remedies that, then it really is good news. I'm afraid a lot of people have heard some good news, but they really didn't know how good it was. So let's take a look at a few things this morning, bouncing off of what we just read. Because here at Liberty Bible Church, I guess you could kind of make this a theme verse for us. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is what we find. It says in verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The good news of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, reveals his righteousness. And so we're not ashamed of this. We, we wear it as a badge of honor. Sadly, many times we hide it though. And so I hope today a couple things. Number one, If there's any here that perhaps have never gotten this good news, I pray that today you will find not just that it's nice to hear, not just that it's pleasing to the palate, but that it is truly the best news you've ever heard and that you follow through with it. The second thing that I hope is to wake us up, that are born again by the Spirit of God, to the truth of not being ashamed. Of the gospel of Christ, I tell people often, I, d- I don't, I don't have a lot to offer. I'm just, I'm not that pretty. <laughs> I'll be the only amen you're going to hear the rest of the day. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not that talented. I don't have the most beautiful voice you've ever heard. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't play the instruments marvelously well. I, uh, I, I, other people know a lot about sports. I know what the ball looks like. But one thing I do have to offer is this. I didn't cook any of the food. I don't have any of that to offer. (laughs) Another amen on that one. But I've got the gospel to offer. And I hope that this is the best news you've ever heard. Look with me, if you would, at uh, Romans chapter 1 there. Look at verse 18. Because it gave to us in verse 16 and 17 the start. But then here in verse 18, it gives us kind of the why. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. I want you to understand a couple things before we go much further God is righteous. Now, we believe in a God, in an eternal God, one that existed long before time began. If he, if, and many people will ask the question, well, where did God come from? Listen, if God is bound by time, space, and matter, he could not have created time, space, and matter. And so we look at these things from the, from the understanding that, uh, uh, that God is outside of it all, and therefore perfect. And we believe, we hold very tightly to the belief that God is who he claimed to be, that God is this perfect one. Uh, And we hold very closely to this. God is righteous and he is just. Now, here's where things come into play. Because God is righteous, and notice what it said in verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness because God is right because God is just he is he is bound by his righteousness bound by his justice to be holding us accountable it's kind of like the whole idea of a parent you know if my children step out of line and they, they do things that, they, that are wrong and I do not correct them in some way, shape, or form, am I truly showing them love? I'm afraid that that's what we've got a lot of today. We've got a lot of people who are uh, trying to live as an adult who have never been corrected in their life, and we wonder why our world's in the condition it's in, right? Well, see, God is bound by his righteousness. He is just, and therefore he must punish... Everything that is not. Now, I want to kind of understand that a little bit more, so we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper because I'm sure there are a lot of questions that come to mind when a statement such as that is made. But note what is said in verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. There's this idea of holding the truth that is seen there at the end of verse 18, those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That means to hold it back. Those who keep the truth from being heard, those who keep the truth from being seen, those who put it off to the side. It kind of gives you the impression of someone who knows it's time to mow the lawn, knows that that weed eater needs to be brought out, but they just put it off another day, another day, another day, and the next thing you know, the grass is tickling the back of your kneecaps as you're walking through the yard. That's the idea that again you know, you know you need to do this. And how many times have you? Maybe some of you have a ditch line. We have a ditch line, and I hate the ditch line. I despise the ditch line. I just you got to get down inside the ditch line, and you have to weed eat this way just to get everything down. I just, I despise that ditch line, so I put it off as long as I possibly can. And then the grass is forty eight inches tall, and I have to go out there, and then I wonder why I keep getting hung up. See, the idea that is given to us is those who suppress. I know the truth, but I don't want to face it. There's different types of suppression, suppression by ignoring what is in plain sight. You see that in verse 19, if you continue 20, what it says in 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him, were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. As you continue to make your way through chapter 1 here, you're going to find several things that man suppresses the truth of God unrighteously by ignoring what is in plain view. I mean, you cannot walk through this world today with any sort of uh, uh, sight and look around and say, this is it. I, I mean, it to me it just It makes absolutely no logical sense to think that this is all an accident. Language is an accident. Speech, an accident? I don't don't see how any of that can be accidental. And so not only that, but it's uh, suppression through self-conceit. Talking about him, verse 21, they glorified him not as God, but became vain or puffed up and proud in their own emotions. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And they became proud in themselves. Man does this. But not only that, through false worship. They suppressed through false worship. Look at verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up over to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so they began to worship things that they ought not to worship. Understand something. Worship is built into the heart of every man. Every man, woman, child, worship is built into us. Now, what we worship may be different. And so the idea of worship uh, comes from the Anglo-Saxon uh, worth sip, which the Anglo-Saxons in their marriage vows, the husband would look to the wife and he would say, you and you alone, I worship. And what he was saying was, you are the only one for me. That's what that word means. And so, in reference to worship, mankind has built within them a desire to give attention to something. All of us do it. Some of us, we give attention, as much attention as we can to... Not me. Can't afford all the balls. Some people give all their attention to the television. Some people give all their attention to money. Some people give all their attention... Some people give all their attention to their family, to their kids, to their wife, to their husband. It's hard to tell. Everybody has something that they worship. The question is, are you worshiping the right thing? And so we come back to this, that the natural man ignores creation, is proud, he worships falsely, makes up their own gods. This is the problem with us as men. And when I say men, I mean mankind. This is the problem that we face. And as a result, therefore, all who live in sin, all who worship themselves, all who are proud, all who are arrogant, all who ignore God, do not acknowledge him. They are living under the wrath of God. That's what it says back here in verse number 18 it says for the wrath of god is revealed from against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that's that's, that's kind of audacious isn't it now, i don't know about you, but if if somebody if for the first time in my life i come to the realization there's this god and he created everything that i see that's power. And I'm under his wrath? That should be. But here's the problem is oftentimes we stop there. We, we quit moving forward and we just kind of arrest our attention on that moment. And that'll, so this guy's pretty vindictive. That's not what I said. Well, this guy's got a target on me. That's not what I said. And I want you to notice where the target is placed in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God, notice this, is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men. I want you to note where the target is placed. Not on you, but on your unrighteousness. Get that. It's kind of like when my one of my children maybe steps out of line and I have to punish. I have to take the take the switch away, or I have to I have to uh, uh, tell them you know, ground them from TV or whatever it may be. Send them to their room. Go to your room. No dinner for you. Good. I didn't want to eat the broccoli anyway. I know. Whatever it may be. I'm not punishing the person. I'm punishing the action. And I need to be careful that I don't take it out on the individual, but I let the individual know I still love you, but I can't allow that activity to continue. And this is where we sometimes get things mixed up. But understand... That just as Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, he says, I didn't come to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. He says, I came to save it. This is where the good news kind of comes in a little bit, doesn't it? Look at the second thing with me, if you would. That this judgment of God is right and fair. Go to Romans chapter number 2. Look at verse number 1 with me, if you would, 1 through 4. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, that judgest. For wherein thou judgest, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest, dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth of them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man? that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God so often gets the blame for what is not his fault. I, I, I want you to, realize something. Man is guilty of sin. He is under this condemnation, and this is just and fair on God's behalf. Understand that. But oftentimes, God gets the blame, and you know, why would a loving God send people to hell? That's the question that oftentimes gets asked. Well, I want you to understand something else. Not only is man guilty of sin, not only uh, is, is he under condemnation, and not only is this a just and fair punishment that we earn, but God will not force himself on anyone. But he does lovingly offer forgiveness. He offers grace. He offers mercy. And he offers a relationship with him. You know, people may say that God is wrong in judging, but if you really look at what we just saw here in verses 1 through 4 of chapter number 2, it says we're inexcusable. Well, just because God wants to make rules doesn't mean that I have to obey them. Okay, well, do you obey your own? (laughs) He says you're inexcusable, man. Who are you that judges when you do the exact same thing? And so the the indigenous tribe out in the middle of nowhere that thinks it's wrong for a man to come out of, his, uh, uh, out of his home and go over to somebody else's home and steal his ox and take it over to his house, and he says, well, that's wrong. Well, they've never heard the truth of Jesus Christ. They've never heard the, the, the law of God. So what are they going to do? How's that right? Well, let's just judge them by their own law then. You see, no matter way, which way it goes, whether I am judged by God's law or I'm judged by my own, I fail. I don't like it when people lie to me. Saved or unsaved, People don't like to be lied to. Anybody in here just enjoy a good lie? Anybody in here just love it when someone says, man, man <laughs> sorry, boss, <laughs> I was sick, <clears throat> I had, and I had a flat tire on the way in this morning. <laughs> oh, I love it when my employees lie to me. No. Nobody enjoy it. Okay, so you, you don't want to be judged by God's law? All right, you don't like to be lied to? Then why do you lie? I I hate it when people take things that that don't belong to them, and it belongs to me, and they shouldn't take it. Well, then, have you ever taken anything? Let's judge you by your own laws. See, here's the problem. You and I fall way short of God's righteousness. We fall way short of our own righteousness, let alone his. And this is what we, what we have to come to understand. People say God is wrong in judging, but when they themselves uh, set themselves up as judge, uh, then they're going to be judged by their own merits. And so either way, we're under condemnation. You see, God will give to every man exactly what. What they earn. Look at verse five of chapter two. It says, but after the hardness of thy, uh, after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and ju- and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. We're under judgment, rightfully so. By the only judge in existence, who is right, fair, and true. You don't want me to judge you, (laughs) and I don't want you to judge me. I want someone who is going to be completely impartial and who is going to be fair, who is going to be 100% just. We got one. The only one who is sufficient at being the judge. You and I, my friend, may have different views and different ideas. But his are right. And I believe with all my heart, he wants to argue with him and say, but I didn't know your law. I didn't know what you expected. He'll look at him and he'll say, well, let me just judge you by you then. Did you uphold your law? No, I didn't. You have condemned yourself. I want you to note something else with this. Look at uh, look at chapter number three with me, if you would, please. Chapter number three. Drop down to verse number nine. What then? Are we better than they? No. <laughs> in no wise for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin i want you to note this next thing here as it is written there's none righteous no not one i had an uncle one time that swore the only thing he had ever done wrong was get upset when he stepped on a christmas bulb My mom is your niece. (laughs) My grandmom is your sister. (laughs) You want me to ask them about that? None of us are righteous. None of us. But here's where uh, things get kind of twisted around. Because the gospel has the potential of turning everything on its hinge. Just bringing it right upside down. And that's the wonderful thing about good news. You see, if I just stopped preaching, okay, that's enough of that. (laughs) We're all under condemnation. Let's go eat. It would be a pretty poor message, wouldn't it? But let me let you in on the good news part of it. You're not righteous. I'm not righteous. You and I are both under condemnation from the only righteous judge and there's nothing that you or I can do to get out of it. But I want you to note this. Put your socks back on. This is is where it's going to start to cool off, all right? Look at verse number 19 with me of chapter number 3. It says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But, see that in verse 21? I love that three-letter word in the English language. In other words, here's the bad stuff, but wait a minute, let me tell you the other side. Let me tell you the good news now. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you something. There's some Christians in here that have been, they've been saved for some series of time, and maybe you've gotten cold. Let's wake up for just a moment. Because the bad news was pretty bad, pretty bleak, pretty dark. There's nothing that I can do, my friend, to get me out of the condemnation where I'm under with God. And the only thing that that I deserve, just like Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, he says, in the day you eat, you'll surely die. What is that death? Separation from life. That's not just here on this earth, so one day I'm going to die, I'm going to shuffle off this mortal coil. No, my friend, it is eternal separation from life. God is life. Jesus said in John fourteen six. he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Being completely separated from God. What is God? God is everything that is good. The Bible says God is love. Do you want to be separated eternally from love? No, my friend. Do you want to be separated eternally from goodness, from righteousness, from everything that is gracious, everything that is holy, everything that is lovely? No. And understand what it means to be separated eternally from that. I am not able to be anywhere near the presence of God. He had to make a place just to remove people from his presence. He can't be nice to sin. He can't Bless sin. He has to destroy it. And that's where we find ourselves. But the righteousness of God God, without the law was manifest. I want you to understand God offers mercy and grace through his son, Jesus Christ. I can't face God's law. I can't face my own law. I'm in a predicament. But Jesus could. Jesus could face it. I've been found guilty. I've been condemned to pay for my sins. The penalty is death. But God's righteousness is afforded to me through Jesus Christ. Understand what's being said with this. It says in verse 22: uh, uh, verse even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, there is no difference. Doesn't matter who you are: man, woman, child, red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter. God is gracious to all. And he makes an offer. But you remember I made a statement a while ago that God does not force himself on anyone. It's an offer. And so people say, well, what kind of a loving God would send people to hell? No, my beloved, he does not send you there. You choose it. It's when we suppress the truth. Here it is, my friend. You are being delivered the truth of who God is, the truth of what he has done for you today. Are you going to suppress it? Or are you going to accept it? That's the choice that you are making today. And, and based on what you are presented with today, here's, here's what we need to understand. God will not one day send you away. You choose to go that way if I choose to reject the offer of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if I choose to reject the offer of salvation through his son's shed blood, if I choose to do this, God does not send me to hell. I'm choosing to go. God doesn't force himself. But he did everything to show you you don't have to. What more could anyone ask? God the Son stepped out of glory for a moment, set aside His rights and privileges as God, became a human, allowed Himself to be beaten, battered, and bruised for you, was placed on that filthy, dirty old cross, had his arms stretched out wide, and in a sense, he was saying, this is how much I love you. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. There's no better way for God to show you how much he loves you than by dying for you. Realize this, my friend, no matter how big, or how little my sin, all of it, can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of it. That's what it says in verse 22 and 23. It says, there's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This coming short is is like an archery term where I'm taking aim, and I aim at the, at the target, and no matter how close I make it to the target, I'm off a little bit, right? And I take aim, and i even if i'm even if I'm just in the bullseye just in the bullseye, I still missed the dead center, didn't I? I liken it to uh we got the Olympics here, and you got that long jump, and let's say all the long jump contestants lined up, and I lined up with them being the athlete that I am, and I stretch. And I get ready, kind of get myself all worked up, right? And I'm sitting right next to some of these gold medalists. (laughs) You're on. And I take off running with everything that I've got, and I leap. Hopefully, I land on my feet. More than likely, I land on my face. But I land 13 feet. I have no idea. I don't even know if that's a good number. I don't know. Then here come the Olympic athletes. Take off running, and they jump 26 feet, 30 feet. I don't know. And they look at me, and they go, (laughs) beat you. But here's the problem. Both of us were trying to jump over the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Y'all 26 foot didn't do nothing before you, did it? That's the idea. We're all trying to jump over the Grand Canyon of righteousness, and we're all falling short. You may think you're better than the person across the street, or the person you work with, or your spouse, but my friend, neither one of us are righteous. But God offers me mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed, the Bible says. Look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This idea of justification. You see, because of Jesus' sacrifice, I can be justified. And this is what brings peace and access to God. Look at chapter 4. I'm sorry, not chapter 4. Jump to chapter 5 with me. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for us to understand what justifying means. What does it mean to be justified? My grandpa, when I was building houses, used to come to me and he'd say, "Uh, you need to justify that a little bit. In other words, make it right. That's not exactly straight. You need to straighten it up, son. See, to be justified, we, we use a, a little uh, uh, quippy saying, well, it's justified. Just break up the word, justified. Just if I'd never sinned. But it's so much more than that, beloved. You see, to be justified means that I have been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When I place my trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through faith, I elect to follow him. Through faith, I quit trying to do things my own way. I quit trusting in myself, and I trust in the one who can. Then I am robed in the righteousness of God. And when He looks at me. He no longer sees my unrighteousness. No longer sees my ungodliness that is under condemnation. No longer is the wrath of God targeted on my ungodliness because he does not see it. Rather, he sees the shed blood of his son. He sees his son's righteousness. And in the sight of God from that moment on, it's just as if I'd always been perfect. Justified. In the sight of God. Justified. See, by trusting in Christ as our personal Savior, this does not mean that we are we are not still sinners. <laughs> what it means is it's been paid for. And I no longer have to face the guilt and the shame. How are you doing with guilt today? How, how are you ready to face... The judgment of God. Are you ready to face his judgment? By trusting in Christ, go back to the end of chapter three, because this is something that is often overlooked. Notice what it says in verse 31 says, Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yeah, we established the law. You know what it means to, by faith, trust Him? I come to the situation where I realize that I have broken the law of God and that I am under condemnation. And I affirm that the law was true. A lot of people today going around saying, ha-ha, free from the law, I don't have to do anything. I just say a little prayer and I go on about my happy little life. My friends, we don't nullify the law. We verify the law. And I turn in repentance and faith from my old self to the one who can save me. And I say, I am going to follow you with everything from this moment on. It's a conscious decision to turn from myself and turn to Him. We sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Sometimes based on today's theology, it should be, I have decided to kind of like Jesus. No. No. We follow him. You see, because of Jesus' sacrifice, I can be justified. I want you to see in chapter 5 there, again, being therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of, Of God. (laughs) So, what are you telling me, Pastor? Well, not only am I made right, but now I have access to the Creator of the universe. I have peace. You know what it's like. You remember when you were a kid? Some of you have to think back longer than others. (laughs) But. trying but you remember what it was like you'd done something wrong and dad was still at work and your mom just looked at you and said just wait till your father gets home oh those were some of the scariest words ever my mama knew how to use a switch but my dad used a tree okay (laughs) And he's like, Just wait till your father. I'm so mad. I'm not going to deal with you. Wait till your father gets here. Oh Lord, you would starve to death before you went and asked your mama for anything. You would let wild wolves carry you away before you went to her. You just, you just waited. Put on a couple extra pair of underwear, and waited. Completely out of peace, right? But there were those times where my dad would come home. They were few, but he would come home and he would sit me down and he would have a conversation with me. And he'd say, I still love you. And I'm going to show you mercy. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I thought I was a dead man, but he'd show mercy, peace, flooded. You ever been there? Maybe you deserved that ticket. Maybe you deserved to be thrown in jail or whatever it was, but the judge looked at you and said, I'm going to let you off. I know you're driving 80 miles over the speed limit, but I'm going to let you off today. peace. You're in turmoil leading up to that. This is what the love of God affords us. Are you still living under condemnation? Or are you at peace with God today? Can you honestly say, I have peace with my Maker? If the answer is no, I want you to understand that he is standing there with his hands outstretched, and whoever will call on him can be saved. He is offering to you his son, his righteousness. I'll take the punishment for you, he says. I'll pay the bill. I'll do it all for you. And it's been done through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and you can have peace. Peace. So what about you today? You may be guilty of breaking your law, but can I ask you, have you broken God's law? I know I have. Have you broken God's law? Are you living under condemnation still? Do you live under the condemnation of God? Understand that Jesus took your penalty so that you could have this peace. This is a beautiful truth. Because He loves you. And you can have this peace of God. And the question really comes in, what's the best news you've ever heard? I pray that today it's been topped because there's no greater news than to hear that Jesus offers forgiveness. Have you trusted Him? Have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? If not, here in just a moment, music will begin to play and we'll have what we call an invitation time. And that's simply an invite to you to do something with what you have heard. And there are people that are here that have been trained. They know how to take the Word of God in their hand. They know how they can show you how you can be saved. They know how to do that. And they are looking forward, giddy with excitement, to be able to do that. Perhaps the person who brought you you just, you're, I'm more comfortable with them. Tap them on the shoulder and say, I want more information. Maybe afterwards you, you feel that you didn't want to go forward, but you really do want to ask questions. It's why we're going to set up tables and just sit around and talk. But I beg you, do not leave today without getting this right. There's nothing else that I could offer. This is the best I know. Get it taken care of today. Father, we present ourselves to You for inspection. Inspect our hearts, Lord. See if there's anything in us that needs to be changed. See if there's anything about us, Father, that needs to be corrected. Father, help us to see the truth of who we are in light of who you are. But, Father, above and beyond all that, help us to see your Son's sacrifice for us. Give to us, Lord, what we need. And that's an open mind and an open ready and willing to receive Your truth. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.